Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio. This is season five and we're talking about the circular economy and all things digital and software. This episode, I'm delighted to be joined again by Emily and our guest, Jörg Walden, who is the Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of iPoint Systems, a leading provider of software and consulting for sustainable products, value chains and brands. Since its founding in 2001 as a small automotive-focused company, he has transformed iPoint into a multinational, globally operating market leader with a clientele of tens of thousands of companies across various industries. In this conversation, we really talked a lot about the digital circular economy, to use iPoint's terminology, and digitization, and the broad impact of how difficult and important it is to gather data in order to be sustainable, and especially in order to open up some of the circular economy opportunities. Yeah, it was a really interesting conversation. Georg's experience and kind of depth of knowledge is really clear. He mentioned from the outset that he's been doing this for 20 years <laughs> and obviously a lot has changed in the industry and in the world in the past 20 years. So kind of get his perspective on how things are developing and how things can potentially move forward with data and, and technology as a tool for that was really interesting. Yeah. Something that is, I think, that stood out particularly from this conversation and is definitely for me a recurring theme is how the purpose of the use of technology or the digital or the design process, not just for its own sake. And I think that's something that within the sort of digital sector or, or technology software sector is something that I feel is often missing. It's like we get obsessed with the tools <laughs> rather than the reason we would, what the work we're trying to do with those tools. And I thought this, in this conversation, you all made that really clear, talking about the challenges and things that are happening right now, but also some of the opportunities and this and the potential to plug some of these big gaps in data and understanding in order to have an impact rather than just in order to have a cool data tool. Mm. Yeah, I think the thing that we've kind of touched on and not particularly said explicitly in many of our conversations is the fact that all these companies, all these solutions are run by human beings. You know, there's obviously the tech and the digital is there as a tool, but the inspiration for it and the motivation behind it comes from the humans that are involved, Jörg being one of them. And he mentioned himself that in every organization that he works with, he wants people to understand their role in making their product more sustainable. Every individual person understanding how they're part of this team, part of this process. And I think that that's a really powerful message in terms of the transition towards mm. the circular economy. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, one of the things I really enjoy about the circular economy concepts or the language that the circular economy enables is it kind of clarifies how and sort of opens, clarifies the opportunities that open up whenever you have approached it with that kind of mindset. So without any further ado, let's meet York. Hello, everybody. This is York, York Walden iPhone systems. So my personal professional is I'm an IT guy uh, driven with a long IT background history. I founded iPoint nearly 20 years ago. And the major focus about what we're doing is um, we're trying to generate transparency. We really try to use data IT systems to generate a better world, circularity, and improve material usage, energy usage around production industries. And um, that's what we're doing the last 20 years and that's what we want to do the next 20 years. So 
happy to be here, happy to answer your questions and drive into technology. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. This whole season, as, as you know and as the listener knows, is about circular economy and, and digital and software in the circular economy. So I was really keen to speak to yourselves about the work that you're doing. To sort of help set that up, I wonder, so there's an excellent page on your site, which has some videos and some introduction stuff that I will make sure we link in the show notes. And it introduces the term digital circular economy. So maybe to start, you could tell us a little bit about what that means and what that means for iPoint systems. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, like I said, I'm a really IT-driven guy, so I was born in the really grown-up technology area in the last 20, 25, 30 years. Yeah. And what I learned is if we use IT systems in the right way and digitalization in the right way, I think we can learn a lot faster. We have a lot more access to data, to information, to knowledge. And for me, if you're thinking about a circular economy, so meaning shifting away from the linear thinking to generate products out of sourcing, mining stuff, materials, production, usage, throwing it away in the bin. Yeah? So how can we really break into a circular economy? And for me, it's, it's a knowledge problem. Yeah? So we should understand where do we use what, how do we use our materials? How are they produced? What is best practices? Maybe even, and this is the major driver behind the digital circuit economy for me, thinking about new business models. Yeah? So the main point behind everything here is we have to rethink our mindsets in the way, how do we using products? Yeah? And I think there's a lot of discussions at this point with sharing economy and others. And for this, we need a lot of data. So digitalization of the total life cycle of materials, maybe multiple life cycles, multi-generation materials and things like this, it's for me the major driver in the future if we want to shape a circular economy. Mm, yeah, that makes complete sense. And I think what is definitely becoming a theme for us for this season is that how important or how this sort of process is a mind shift rather than just a tactic or a technology that we just use and nothing else changes. So before we talk about the digitization and some of the work that you actually do, I'm interested in how you see, when you say that mind shift change, how you see that, what does that actually entail? So I think it depends a little bit from the direction where you're coming from. Yeah. So I think if you start, it depends on the industry, what industries you are, uh, I don't know, uh, electronic industry or like we heard, maybe even the iPhone and things like this. Yeah. So if you really think about innovations and how do we are producing products today so life time of product it's really shortened on the one side yeah so we want to have every new iphone we want to have every new laptop so on the one side we are all consuming more and more products that's clear and industry is, is living from these highly innovative cycles and this is also transferred from software technology into physical products on the ones and if we see this, what does it mean at the end? If you really want to consume and you want to consume sustained, you have to think about what does it mean if we are using products so short? And what does it mean to the minerals, to the resources of the earth, to the energy consumption and things like this? And how can we improve this? This mindset shift in highly innovation and combining these highly innovation product cycles with not consuming natural resources for the high innovations. I think that's quite an interesting approach. And this is what we have to think about 
what can we do? How do we have to produce our products that we can keep the resources we are consuming in the production as long as possible in the product in the future and the materials? And can we reuse them in second life and the third life and the fourth life in the future? Then, And if you think about digitalization and IT in the moment, we all know that smart devices, IoT, Internet of Things and whatever are coming. So the resource consumption for the digitalization, it's huge. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really cool opportunity that you pointed to, that there's a lot of innovation that happens, but how do we do it in a way that's more ecologically sustainable and ecologically friendly? You mentioned when you introduced yourself that you are an IT guy, and that's your professional background. So how did you get to the point where you were thinking more about this circularity? How did your mindset shift to get to this point? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so maybe a little bit more to my background. So I'm a hard to call serial entrepreneur. Yeah, so uh, even when I was studying quite a while ago, yeah, there was the first touch to production industries. I'm living in the area here of Stuttgart and there's a lot of automotive and production industries. And we are really started at this point of time in the combination of internal IT infrastructure systems. So how could we learn from quality system, planning systems, all the different systems, what you typically have in your internal environment in one ecosystem of an organization, yeah? How can you combine these kind of data to make better products? So quality management, production management, planning management inside the organization. This was heavily driven in the 90s in this industry. And when I saw the internet will come at this point of time where the push of in the B2C market was really high, it was clear that the impact of IT and the supply chain and how do we produce product in the future will come. So the visibility of what can we do if we are having a virtual organization who is really having data from different organizations and combining this is also where the name comes from, iPoint integration point. This was my vision at this point of time. Oh, wonderful. We are coming in a totally different dimension now. How do we connect data over not limited by system boundaries of an organization, unlimited? In, in the, we call this today a digital twin, so turning a little bit around the way and thinking about really an unbounded information system, what's not locked in in one organization, in one plan, what's really on top of this. And this idea brought me then from quality to production systems into how can we make better products more sustained, more long-term and what are the usage models and how are the usage models changing of the products and what impact does it have to design? So design for environment, design for recyclability and all this stuff around. So it was a really 20 years, how to say, pass and learning core from better products, improving quality, improving material usage, improving energy in, okay, why just improve? Why not totally rethink how we use and what does it mean? And where can we change something? Where can we change something? In the design. So how can we bring all these data to the points where the people are thinking about what are they designing and what are they designing for in the life cycle of a product? Yeah. Yeah. So you've, as you've said, that's sort of a 20-year journey, a 20-year path of going through that process. How is that 
or how much has that changed? Or I mean, 20 years is, it seems like a long time to us as individuals, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's not a long time, but so much has changed in the last 20 years. So I'm interested in how you've seen that change as you've, as you said, as you've learned, as the world around us has changed. The question comes more or less from this product cycle thinking. Yeah. So if you look back, and I mean, this, if you compare now Tesla with the I would say standard automotive drivers. What is different there? So this kind of speed and innovation, how fast are we developing the product in the moment? How high is the innovation cycle? And what is the expectation of the end consumer to products? Yeah? Just 20 years ago, it was normal that you need seven or more years, seven plus X years to really design a new car, for example. Yeah, So that was more or less standard. Yeah? You have your processes, serialized and things like this. It takes time to increase the quality. Now, as more and more software, as more and more digitalized systems joined or merged into the production processes in the end product, it starts getting a really issue on speed and performance because seven years in a, how many generations of digital innovations you have in seven years it's unbelievable and that's a huge problem yeah and how can you combine then the one speed of creating high quality physical products with everything around with the speed what we are used in okay we get a lot of updates a lot of changes a lot of new things are coming in the digital world and how can we combine these two different life cycles of a physical product with a digital and this was the biggest change you see. And this is a huge transformation in the industry. And this is not only in your ecosystem, in your environment, in your organization. You have to combine this with your business partners, with the supply chain and everything together. And this is, for me, an interesting opportunity. How can we co-competition, co-cooperate in building new business model and higher innovation cycles to learn faster, to understand better, and to consume knowledge from business partners in our product design and product innovation. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And that is, and you're definitely right, I think, when you talk about that as, as this huge challenge, the speed of innovation, the speed of iteration, the speed of things changing, and the challenge of needing that data to be more than just within my own silo. You know, it's got to be across the supply chain and, all, and everywhere. So can you describe, maybe let's try and make this a bit more concrete. Do you have an example or a story of how in your work, you're looking to sort of digitize and pull this kind of data and this knowledge together? Yeah, so I think if you look back in the history where we originally started, for example, yeah, so we really started in getting more or less material information about complex products together. Yeah? So how can you measure um, what's in your product? What are you using? Where are, so how toxic is the product? Is it allowed to use it in a, whatever different scenario or in a different region, things like this. So it was really the chemical composition, more or less, what we tried to analyze, what we tried to check against multiple regulations in the world. So this was one silo, and it's still, if you look in the organization, it's heavily siloed. Yeah? And then more and more, the people are started thinking about, okay, now we have chemical compositions of products, and that's our one. But then they identified, oh, wait, if you have something in the plant, that's typically the environment, health, and safety area, where you're looking about your security, safety, workers, instructions, chemicals you use in the production. So then we learned, oh, wait, 
the chemical production is not so independent because at the end, if you have a cleaner who is forbidden potentially, you cannot produce your product anymore. So the impact of environment, health and safety to compliance was clear and we are started combining this data and showing the impact on multiple levels and not only on the end product, also combined in maybe chemical risks in the production. And the next step was then, ah, wait, now everybody thinks about carbon neutrality. Everybody starts thinking about energy and things like this. So typically you have a totally, totally independent department of sustainability and they are looking about water usage, energy usage and things like this, material usage, that's it. Independent from the product. But now today, if you want to have a, a carbon neutral product, you cannot start to do this independent. So you also have to combine this energy related information to the product. So another dimension in this. So really moving from step by step into silo driven domains. And this is, I think, maybe historically driven by system providers, by departments. And it's not on the process, it's more on the boundaries of departments. And we have to break these boundaries and combine the information systems that you have a product-related overview without boundaries. Mm. Yeah, breaking silos and pulling everyone together is notoriously a challenging task in any industry. And you've talked a lot about all the kind of different kinds of data that have to come together and the challenges behind digital twinning and kind of tracking the digital life cycle of materials from a practical standpoint as coming from my perspective of not understanding too much about the technical side of this data collection how does it work in terms of initially getting these materials into this data system is there a lot of kind of manual data collection that has to go on and how does that look for your working with the customer and the how do you set it up with the client? What's the kind of practical steps to get there? I think you hit it the right point here. Yeah. So getting the data is still tough. Yeah. On the one side, you have a lot of discussions about intellectual property, uh, security. And as you know, we are talking in a really early stage of a development of a product. or so that's a high-risk area. If somebody knows what you're doing and getting this information, you're losing your competitive advantage. Yeah. So it's a higher risk area of data out of multiple multiple levels yeah? and a good point. So typically what you do is um, we are connecting to design technical systems like PLM, PDM systems, engineering systems and things like this, where you have a first idea, a draft idea of a product where you have some potential taking overs from the last version or maybe some usage of materials and things like this. And you're starting then getting information out of multiple channels. Yes, how do you connect or collect? So we have a so-called care concept, collect, connect, analyze, report, and involve. So how do you collect and connect information systems, data systems out of your supply chain on the one side, but also internal system where you're trying to load material composition information as much as possible. Yeah. So you still will miss something because also the material engineering area, it's heavily, heavily increasing. Yeah? So they are designing new materials faster than you can think about it yeah? and compound materials and things like this. So on the one side, you try to get out for standard materials, maybe out of libraries, out of your supply chain. You're trying to get some information. Some of the information comes from testing centers. So the TIC industry, testing, inspection, and collection of data, is, it's also heavily aggregating data and giving you some information. And this is where you are starting connecting the different data points then into, I would say, a full 
representative composition of your product, of your design. And as more data points as you get, as better you can understand your dependencies and your risks on special materials, on special usages and special compositions here. Yeah, yeah. And the hardest point for sure is if you're having complex supply chains, maybe international supply chains, specific regions with high intellectual property uh, materials and things like this. And then you are, you're coming to area where there's a lot of discussion. This is the huge challenge. Yeah? How do you get this big advantage now more and more is generating more trust and specifically going into this intellectual property is a lot of discussion at the moment with blockchain. Yeah? So how can you use higher and secure systems transforming and transporting data with higher security and trust from the different parties in a system? How can you use something like this? So there's, a, again, a technology who supports the business demand. Yeah? And this is always the way how I try to think about, can we use technology to support business demands, not technology just for technology reason? No, technology must be used for supporting business demands. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned that the risk is significantly high, I suppose, or potentially high for clients in terms of privacy and protecting intellectual property. And yet there is enough of a pull to have this digital twinning and, and have the whole system in place. What do you think it is specifically that motivates your clients to do this despite the potential risks? And how do you go about kind of easing those risks or the client's fears of them? I mean, the one thing is you have a couple of laws and regulations where uh, transparency is more and more requested. As you maybe know, in Europe, we have this waste frame directory, we have the REACH, uh, we have other regulations where at the end, I would say, piece of transparency is requested and you have to get data. And by law, you are pushed to get this data and to make it transparent if somebody wants to see it in the short term. So the processes who needs to be established are coming more and more in place here. I think that's the good point here. Yeah. So on the other side, it's clear that if you want to move faster, you have to think about this. Okay, maybe it makes sense to share a little bit from my information to be part of this bigger community and to learn faster, to innovate faster and to get into the cycle. So it's a little bit of balance, strong balance, a really hard balance for some organizations to open this transparency. I think there's a couple of organizations like, for example, we did this with Logitech now. They make a carbon footprint for every product. I think they are still first movers and they are setting some points. How do you want to call this here? Where everybody said, oh, there's a new area starting now and we have to follow. So the questions, are you a first mover? Are you a follower? Innovative combination of data and data points and systems. And what is driving you at the end? high innovative products, different kinds of business models, different kinds of designing and speeding up the processes. It's a balance. What's strong, what's definitely not fully done at the moment, definitely. So there's a lot of business partners and industries still not open and sharing too much information. That's clear. But the question is, how long is it possible? And what is your differentiation in the future? And if you're thinking about other business models and other ecosystems and combining the three Ps, yeah, people, planet, profit approaches into our products in the future. 
Yeah, and on that point of the three Ps, the sustainability side of things as well, is that up there as a big reason for companies coming in and working with you? Is it something that you've experienced resistance against or is it kind of a response to greater consumer awareness of these things that companies want to respond to that? I would say it's a combination of consumer demands on the one side. I mean, we see this also heavily now in Europe with the Green Deal and other regulations, a sustainable restart after COVID discussions here. So it's a combination of governmental consumer demand. And then you have for sure, you have some really business leaders here who are really want to set a point and say, okay, we can do this. We can create a product out of recycled stuff. We can really keep materials in the cycle. We can, we want to extend the lifetime of our product and things like that. I think it's a combination out of multiple directions. And maybe it's also supported a little bit by better technologies and trust in technologies like blockchain and other things where people are really thinking, okay, mm, nobody can change the visibility of my information. I still have the full, how to say, uh, the full control. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit losing control of information. It's tough for some organization. And if you show them, okay, guys, um, if you have a smart contract, whatever in place, we can support that nobody can change it if you don't accept it. Nobody can make bugs in software that the visibility is changed and things like this. So giving them a trusted infrastructure, giving them a trust system helps them also jumping over this barrier of losing control. Yeah, mm. yeah I think that's a really good point that it is difficult for a lot of, especially I think bigger businesses, to consider the idea that it's okay, it's acceptable, it's even maybe advisable to let some of this information out into the world. And we certainly seem to be shifting really dramatically away from a protection of all data to more of an open sharing kind of idea, which I think is a bit of a shift within this mindset that we've been talking about and towards this transition of a circular economy. As you mentioned, in order to kind of progress faster and faster, sometimes it's the best idea is to share what you've got with other people and look at what they are doing and, and kind of integrate things together, which goes against the traditional capitalist competitive mindset, I think. And interesting that you mentioned as well how digital technologies have a part in that and how better technology is becoming much more trustworthy in order to share this information in a way that does make organizations more comfortable that's really interesting yeah it's a co-competition mm -hmm. model yes how mm -hmm. can you really on the one side and I mean, we see this in multiple areas. You know, again, automotive industry, I think, look at the challenges they have today. That's huge, even for the largest. One side, you have to discuss, okay, what are you using in the future? As um, Are we diesel? Are we using gasoline? Are we using hybrid? Are we using electric? Are we using hydrogen? So there's a lot of different fundamental decisions what they need to make, and they are huge here. Yeah. On the one side, on the other side, they have to think about autonomous driving and sharing economy. And so even for the largest organizations today, I think it's impossible to manage all the faster and faster moving innovation cycles 
and designing the products in the right direction if they are not really focusing on specific areas and the value chain network. So I don't call this anymore the supply chain network. It's really a value chain network, maybe where they all together are responsible for the end product. That's another dimension, yeah? It's another dimension, maybe even another kind of organization in the future, how we are working together when we are all maybe with the full risk getting our payments. Yeah, If you think about a model where we are responsible for the product and just at the end of the design of the product or the end of the shipment of the product, everybody gets paid maybe with a, with a blockchain, whatever. Yeah, So the risk and the model and the structure, it's totally different. I think this comes more and more into this digital generation generation set why who gets more responsive now in the industry too so the mindset on the one side the technology on the other side the need from the end consumer and the government all these combination together gives us a mix of rethinking how we building products and what kind of information we need in what way forward yeah, we cannot produce 20 years the same kind of style of product so it's absolutely impossible yeah Mm. And I think that that interesting thing there that kind of ties it back to something you said earlier about well the mindset, but also about changing business models, which is obviously a big part of um, uh, circular economy conversations. I think what you were saying there is that having that data or that visibility or that knowledge on top of uh, you know the the technology or in the technology, were you saying that that's sort of enabling or allowing different business models and different approaches? Not even allowing it, maybe even only enabling. Yeah. So if you look about now, for example, I think I'm always using this wonderful example of Philips and the airport of Amsterdam. So think about a company like Philips building lamps. Yeah. So what processes do you need to have and what understanding do you need? So you're creating your lamps, you have having your sales force, just pushing, 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 more, 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 more. I make a lot of money if I'm selling a lot of lamps. Wonderful. Now think about weight. We are not selling lamps anymore. We are selling light. What does it mean? You really want to produce more, 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 more? Definitely not, because you really need to, you have to spend more resources in getting the same output. So if you just get the money for the responsibility of the output, you start totally, oh, wait, um, hmm, we have to recycle this. We have to think about energy, what we're using. And, oh, wait, hmm, when should we change them? There's a new technology. Lease. So you have to balance when do you substitute, what resources you have, maybe what can you reuse if you're getting them back out of the resources you have in there, out of the technology. So thinking about the total life cycle, thinking about the total life cycle of a product it's quite a challenge it's not easy yeah and there's a big black hole even most industries today and this will change in the next 10 to 20 years it's we don't have a lot of experience of how our products used today here yeah? so normally you're selling your product it's gone you don't know if it's used how often it's used and things like this most of the industries really have no doubt how really often and whatever the products are used, they're selling in the market here. So, but if you're going in these connected devices and there's internet of things and the smart devices and smart connect, everything, it's more or less connected. Everything sends data to something. So the knowledge of how our products used over-engineered, under-engineered and where and what and whatever, this will change heavily with these digitalization of assets. Yeah. 
And as more assets are digitalized, as better we learn and as better we can improve the usage, maybe not selling uh, products, just giving them away for usage. And I think this is really a combination of technology, what goes into the market, learning from technology and improving the usage, what starts a digital cycle then and improvement cycle and give us a lot more possibilities. What can we do and how can we use product more efficient and materials more efficient in the future? Mm, yeah. And that ties into, again, to several of the other conversations we've had this this season. So it's definitely a recurring theme and a really important thing that's happening right now, but also the point you made about the aspirational, like this big black hole of knowledge that needs and is getting filled. I wanted to kind of contrast that with the more, I guess, fundamental or prosaic questions, or I guess a starting point from a linear to circular economy. So on your blog on ipointsystems.com, there's a really interesting series of articles, but one stood out for me and it was a very simple set of questions like business transparency helps answer three fundamental questions. Do you know what's in your product? Do you know your suppliers? And do you know your direct and indirect impact? And it seems to me that what you were just talking about there and having these this ability to rethink the way that, you know, instead of selling lamplets, we're actually selling light or the equivalents in other sectors. But even kind of the journey from, I don't know anything about my supply chain. There's all these horror stories, particularly in the fashion industry or textile industry about, you know, things, horrendous disasters in places like Bangladesh and then the brands who don't even know that that is where, and they don't know that they're contributing to that. And that's maybe two or three tiers down in the supply chain. So with the work that you're doing, how much do you see as kind of, you know, businesses just trying to get a handle on what their current, you know, just trying to understand their supply chain and answering those three questions? And how much is people who are kind of moving beyond that to thinking about their business models and these bigger aspirational mindset changes? Oh, hmm. good question. I think, yeah, I think we have a little bit, we call this a maturity model where we're trying to explain our customers a little bit. We say, okay, the fundamental of everything, it's compliance. Yeah. So it's the basic, it's a ground floor. Yeah. So if you are not compliant, I mean, you cannot be sustained. Yeah. So it's impossible. Yeah. So the first thing is always, and then you see, I would say, a big split between do the people just want ah, compliance? I don't like compliance. Ah, no, go away. Okay, just do it. Hiring a service provider, managing this, done. So there's just a, a yeah, yeah, checking a box and pushing this forward. Go, 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 go. So the question is really, do the people understand the value of the data? Do the people understand the opportunity they are having with this and the possibility of more sustainable business, maybe in, not maybe even what's clearly shown more revenue and more profit on the long term. Sustainable business shows clearly that they make more revenue. Yeah, so it's a, a mindset, it's a, a leader question at the end, and a responsibility question from the leader, from the management. How do they really see this, and how do they want to connect the dots inside their organization? What's first tough step yeah then you have maybe a sustainability officer and things like this so he gets a little bit of budget but that's also not the final goal the final goal if you have a transformed organization if you have a sustainable organization every person in the organization knows exactly 
if I make a decision, what is the impact of my decision to my product and to sustainability of my product? Yeah. So I just can buy cheap materials in China or whatever. If energy costs and other things are extremely high, if transparency in the production plan, it's really uncertain, yeah, and things like this. So every person needs to understand in the organization where and how is their contribution to a sustainable product. And if you are there, then you reach the final goal. And then the organization is really fully understanding how they have to work together in creating sustainable products and what is the impact of their decision in the end product itself. So to finish up, what I'm interested in is, I guess, your vision of how where you and iPoint Systems, you talked about being around for 20 years and looking forward to the next 20 years at the start of this. So what is that your vision for that? So I think my vision is really that we are understanding the impact of what are we doing with our production and with our products at the end. So how can we make sustainable product so that we fully can create a sustainable world in the future where we understanding what materials are we using? What is the impact, like you said, to the people, to the planet? And how can we, at the end, with information, help faster innovate and build better products for the future and enable a future for our children and grandchildren. Yeah? And I think this is where I want to support a little bit and showing this and helping the organizations in creating more sustainable products with giving them the right data, making the right decisions and improving to get the impact as low as possible to the earth, to the environment, and still have, having fun and using products and at the end. So I'm really not the person who want to downsize everything. So I think we have to understand and make impact visible and to reduce the impact to environment and the ecologic system. I want to be helping everybody in the production area to do this and as easy, as cost efficient and as sustained as possible. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that ties really strongly to something that's, that you said during our conversation that really stood out for me is about it's not technology for technology's sake, but the reason for this data, the reason for the technology, the reason for looking at tackling some of these difficult problems of gathering the data and you know protecting privacy and IP and how to share that and expose that data to the right people who are making decisions, design decisions, and so on. That ties back to what you just said there about that. You didn't mention technology. You mentioned the outcomes and the impacts of the work, which I think is really powerful. Yeah, I think that we have to understand the different positions and we have to try to align them to generate the best output. And that's always what I'm trying to do. Yeah, so it's a using, even if I'm, like I said, the IT guy, yeah, I think for me, it's a, a tool. Yeah, it's a tool, it's a technology, but it just should help making things better, easier, understandable. And if we, and then I think this is unbelievable for me, if we, see how much information and data and knowledge we can get today and how is this increasing every year and we use this right reduce redundancy improve faster learn faster that's a wonderful opportunity and a big opportunity and what we should use and if we use this right we can make it a lot better and yeah? that's i'm fully trusted in this Mm, 
Yeah, that's a really positive <laughs> note to finish on talking about the opportunity. Very final question, just before we finish up, for people who want to find out more about the work you're doing and about iPoint Systems, where should they go? Yeah, I think we have a couple of blogs. We have LinkedIn. We have our, for sure our webpage, www.ipointsystems.com. And names, contact me also on LinkedIn, whatever. I'm open for every discussion. Looking forward for getting feedback. Looking forward for learning. That's, uh, I think, the most important point. And um, really happy to be connected and contacted by everybody here. Excellent. Thank you. As usual, we'll put the notes, those links into the show notes on happyporchradio.com. Thank you so much. That was a really great conversation. I really appreciate your time. And hopefully that's another great insight into those of us who are working in software and digital and kind of hearing your vision and your inspiration and the story and the opportunities and the challenges in all of that. I find that really inspiring. Thank you so much. Yeah, Emily, Barry, thanks for your time. Thanks you for Thank giving you. me the opportunity here to talk. Thanks very much and enjoy your day. Thank you. You can find notes and links from this episode, plus a full transcript at happyporchradio.com. If you are enjoying the show, please take a moment to give us a positive review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening to Happy Porch Radio.